we're going to get stuck into our teaching for this morning and what it is that the Lord's got on his heart for us as we uh, close up this series in the book of Ephesians on the big mission and vision of God. So if you've got your Bible with you, grab that, or if you prefer to use your, um, your phone app, get that one out. That'd be great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for uh, the power of life that's in the scriptures and that how they bring us alive to God and they even actually bring us alive to who we really are in God. And so, Holy Spirit, as we open the scriptures this morning, we ask again that you would, you would bring a fresh revelation of the love of God for each and every one of us in this room. We ask that you would bring a fresh revelation of the love of God for every person that we know and is dear to our heart and is not in this room. And we ask for a fresh revelation of the love of God for everyone in our region today that would come alive to the good news of the gospel through our lives, through our lives as we put on display the goodness of God in Jesus. Thanks, God. Pour out your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, folks, I've, uh, I've been trucking through the book of Ephesians now for probably about, I don't know, maybe four months, I think. <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite a while. Um, I hope you've enjoyed actually digging deeper into one part of the Scriptures. As you do that, the further and further you dig in, the greater and the richer are the revelations of God. And so um, I've had a good time speaking into the book of Ephesians, about the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote to the, to the church in Ephesus. And so this morning I want to, as best I can in the bit of time that I've got, is kind of let's wrap this thing full circle and, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish this one up this morning as best we can. Um, we've been talking about the big mission and vision of God in Jesus, uh, according to Paul and how through the person of Jesus Christ, God has fully made known his mystery. He has fully revealed who he is. He has fully revealed what he's on about. And he's fully revealed to people the invitation to coming alive in Jesus for each and every person on planet Earth. And that God in Jesus is actually restoring on the big scale and has and is and will restore the fact that the heavens and the earth have now all been brought together in the person of Jesus and that when we are in relationship with Jesus, we too live in this incredible place where heaven and earth meet in the person of Jesus. And so we're not waiting to get to heaven. We're not waiting to get to heaven. We're actually now in Jesus, invited to live the life of heaven here in the earth. And that now heaven and earth are actually united in Christ Jesus. So cosmic Jesus, all right? He's done a big work. He's doing a big work. And we get the joy of entering into that work. And our lives get changed and transformed as a result of all of that. And we've looked at these great scriptures, Ephesians 1.10, you know, the, the, the vision and the mission of God and what he's on about. And it's God's good pleasure. God's good pleasure that he's done in Jesus. It's not like God was stinky, angry God when, when this was going on. It was actually his good pleasure. 
It was, it was coming out of a place of God. It's like, I love my creation. I love people. And I want to see them all restored to me. And it's out of his good pleasure that he has purposed in Jesus to bring all things back unto himself in heaven and earth. We, we've looked at that. We've looked at the big mission of God. We've looked at what's our place in the big mission of God. Your place, my place, our place is to actually be the workmanship created in Christ Jesus, the work of God, the artwork of God, the poetry of God, the, the signpost of God. That's who we are. We're being called alive into that more and more every single day. This is, this is our part of living alive to God and doing his kingdom works. We also looked at what's it mean for the church. Where's the church fit in all of this? Well, we've unpacked that as well in Ephesians 3.10, that it was God's intent now through the church, the many splendid, colorful, manifest, manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the spiritual realities that are around us. And as we do that, as we reveal Jesus into the heavens and into the spiritual dynamics around us, there's a bit of argy-bargy in response to the fact that Jesus is alive and he's conquering everything that the enemy has usurped. And he's doing that through people like us. As we get together and we do this kingdom life together, loving Jesus, loving each other, and encouraging each other to come alive in God. Now, this morning, before I get really into this, I do want to make a few comments about you know the fact that this week, Australia, in all of our wisdom, we've decided that we would like to, as a nation, culturally affirm same-sex marriage as a as a um, as a as an equal right opportunity for gay and lesbian people to have same-sex marriages. Now, as a nation, that's what we have said. Um, or a big chunk of our nation has said that, I should say. And the reason why, well, I, I think in part, a reason why, if I'm going to just make, stop and make some comment here on that, why Australia has chosen that is because Australia has heard a, and adopted a story that they think is a better story than the one that you and I, as followers of Jesus, who live a worldview of the kingdom of God as described by the, the Bible, they think that that story is better than the story that you and I believe in. And i got to tell you, they have done an amazing job of actually articulating that story and telling and selling that story and allowing people to, to be drawn into that story. They've given a moral vision for why that's a better story and people have said, I'm going to buy into that. That's a that's a big part of what's going on. And I think that's because we, we, the people of Jesus, we don't know our story. We don't know our story. And we have relied upon and rested upon law and legislation to hold a worldview that the government's job is not meant to be holding. The government's job is not to hold our kingdom worldview. It's now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. It's through us, the people of Jesus, living the story of our God that tells a better story. And so um, if, you, if you are looking for a, a resource to read at this point in time that might help you begin to engage with this conversation a little more, um, with a little bit more hope 
and a little bit more um, authority, I do want to recommend a book to you to read, and it's called God, Sex, and Human Flourishing by, um, by Glyn Harrison. And he's a professor of psychiatry at the University of Bristol in, in the United Kingdom. And it is a, a wonderful work, and you should, you should get a hold of it. It's not too deep and chewy for all. It's, it's, it's very main, you know, it, I think it's very accessible for, for all of us in this room. And, and I think that's God, Sex, and Human Flourishing. God, Sex, and Human Flourishing by Glenn Harrison. G-L-Y-N-N, Harrison. All right, sweet. Got that? Flourishing. Yeah, got it? Okay, I'll post it up on the uh, Facebook page too if, if, uh, if you'd prefer that as well. So let me, um, one of the things that Glenn says is that we need to actually know our own story and tell a better story and, um, and invite the world into it. And let me, let me just uh, read out to you a quote here or if, uh, from, from Glenn. It's time to recover our confidence that the Christian vision for sex, marriage, family also conveys social and relational goods that can bring blessing and flourishing to all. We need to be ready to share what we ourselves have found to be true for the sake of children in need because a culture of strong marriages brings stability to their emotional and psychological development. It alleviates poverty and enhances educational outcomes, and to do so for the sake of the poor more generally too, because it is they who bear the brunt of the collapse of marriage. We do it for the sake of women, because the Christian vision of men who love their wives as Christ loves the church condemns outright the abuses of psychological control and aggression, and for the sake of young men, because in the Christian vision their days of being Peter Pan are numbered. And we need to share what we have found for the sake of all those who, whose lives have been hollowed out by pornography, promiscuity, trafficking and fruitless pursuits of self-fulfillment. We have been given life for the world and we cannot keep it to ourselves. We must be prepared to advocate, uh, to defend and advocate for these ways of life, not because they are good for ourselves, but they are because they are good for everybody. In the past, we've tried to impose them by law, and now, thanks to the sexual revolution, we must demonstrate their plausibility in the authentic reality of our lives. In other words, no longer is it enough to be able to say. This is what you should believe. Now it's a time where the plausibility of our what we believe about God, sex and human flourishing needs to be lived out through our lives so that the world would look at us and go, there is a better story and I want that story. We must um, demonstrate this, their plausibility in the authentic reality of our lives. This is the only way we'll be able to tell a better story. All righty, that just gives you a bit of a taste of, of Glenn and his work, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a great read, and I hope it encourages you. 
Um, if you've got your Bible, Ephesians 6, let's read, kicking in from verse 10. So here's, this is perhaps one of Paul's most famous passages. This is one of the scriptures where most Christians would go, oh yeah, I know this one. I know this one, Ephesians 6, where it's all about spiritual warfare. And, um, and we kind of have it in the mind that Paul, here he is under house arrest, and maybe he's looking at a soldier nearby, maybe, maybe not. But he's at least got this imagery in his mind and he's processing and understanding that in the big mission and vision of God through the work of Jesus, he's now saying, guys, this is not happening in a vacuum. This is happening in a context of spiritual conflict and great contest. And it's both in the heavens and manifesting in the earth. And sometimes people are, are, are influenced by these spiritual dynamics from the heavens that they don't even realize in their daily choices and living and the things that they're adopting into as worldviews and better stories. But And Paul's saying, hey guys, here is my encouragement to you as the people of Jesus who are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are the body of Christ. You have a better story. You are an amazing creation in God and you've been saved to bless the world. Not just escape the world and get to heaven, but to actually see people coming alive to the reality of heaven in your daily earthly walk. And Paul says, now, if you are going to give yourself over to this, you will find yourself in the context of great spiritual battle. Now, it doesn't take a lot. You, you've all got your own stories. You've got your stories. But Ephesians 6, let's read this. Finally. So this is the end of his writing. So last words are really important and first words are, all, are very important in any speech. First words and last words, because they're usually the ones that people remember and everything in between they go, I, I got no idea what they said. It was what they said at the beginning and what they said at the end. So that's why Paul here says, finally, he's like, I'm making a point to you now. After everything I've taught you, after everything I've shown you, after everything I've invited you into, pay attention to this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted the readiness that come with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. Wow. Not only is we meant to have this amazing life of intercession for the sake for ourselves and for the world, but for each other. Good, healthy prayer. Heaven and earth prayer life looks like that. 
Um, with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all of the saints. Pray also for me. This is the great man himself. This is Paul. This is the guy who's been chased out of town and this, this is the guy who's contended in great um, public you know, context of great public speech and debate. This is the guy that has gone and advanced the work of Jesus in many different locations and now finds himself in prison for all of that. And he says, please pray for me. But look at what he prays for. Not for three meals a day and a comfortable experience. Listen to what he prays for. Not for a great superannuation account that one day when he retires he might be comfortable. Listen to what he prays for. Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, that words would be given me so that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of this gospel. How's that for a priority of prayer? If you're going to pray anything for me, pray this How's that for a priority in prayer? Wow. And for, that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, uh, will tell you everything so that you may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may also encourage you. Peace to you, my brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God that the Father of the Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. What a blessing. What a blessing. If there's one thing that every one of us in this room are probably aware of, it's the fact that we live in a spiritual environment. For some of us, we've experienced spiritual encounters of darkness where it has been a rather aggressive, full in your face or full frontal in nature. I remember one time many years ago when I was on holidays, I experienced a spiritual attack in the middle of the night, literally, quite literally, in the room that Nicole and I were staying, I was woken by a demonic presence that came into the room. And this demonic presence threatened me and said to me, I'm going to take out your people. And at that point, I don't know what came over me, but I'm suggesting it was the authority of the Holy Spirit within me that had a great reaction to that threat. And so in my stupor, I jumped out of the bed and, out of the, and as I was doing that, I, I came out of that place of slumber and I yelled at the top of my voice in this holiday apartment and I yelled, you will not. And at that point, the peace of God came over me and I just went back to sleep. <laughs> but I found myself in this incredible moment of spiritual contest. I also remember clearly one night when uh, a team of us here at the vineyard, we were praying with some people to get free of some demonic spirits that were involved in their life. And this one particular person who had major addictions with sexual um, promiscuity and activity, and they just couldn't give it up, and they were wanting to be free. And so we began the process of inviting the kingdom of God to come and liberate them from this demon that was harassing them and informing them and not letting them go. At which point the demonic manifested to the degree that the person started 
for one, the best word I can use to describe it is writhe on the floor like a snake, just writhing and hissing and writhing and hissing. And as they did that, and we were looking at this demonic spirit having its way with our friend, we got a little upset at that. And so we began to tell the spirit that they needed to leave our friend right away in the name of Jesus, at which point the demon, using my friend's mouthpiece, said, you're my little sex toy, you are, and you've got no authority to tell me what to do. At which point I just said, well, actually, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you, you need to leave. I'm not your sex toy. I belong to Jesus, and he's here with me, and we're here to tell you, you have to leave. At which point the person let out this great big groan and spit and all sorts of stuff, and the demon left. And the person was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that moment on, they got free from that sexual addiction. We've all got these, you, you know, they're just two of mine. And the third one, I'll just give you a third little illustration, is um, after I met Jesus, when I came alive to Jesus, he set me free from all sorts of stuff that I had given my body over to prior to Jesus. And so my flesh was still learning what it meant to live under the goodness of God and trust God for its appetites and that my physical appetites would become holy and not selfish. And as a result of that, I was learning to use my eyes differently, to looking at people differently. I was using my, my mind and my heart differently to no longer look at people as some sort of consumable for my gratification, but that they were actually people who Jesus dearly loved and died for and rose again for so that they might come alive. And one of the battles that I contended with for many, many years, and, and it's still there, it's still there, is these whispers that just come to my mind that want me to look at people like I once did before Jesus arrived on the scene and to use people for my own sense of satisfaction or gratification. And he just whispers things in that no one will know. It, that won't hurt you if you go there. This, this is spiritual battle. And Paul addresses all of the nature of this stuff in this Ephesians 6 scripture. Where does that leave us in the middle of all of this Great big mission and vision of God. Well, I've said it before, and I'll just quickly do that for you again here on the screen, is that vineyard people are kingdom people. We are people who have tasted of the age to come. And that when Jesus said um, in his first public message, repent and believe the kingdom of God is, has, is at hand, what we believe is that the future age of the king, in all of its fullness, where there is no sickness, disease, where there is no demonic authority anymore, but the fullness of that work of God in the future has broken into our reality in the person of Jesus Christ, in his life, death, resurrection, and his ruling and reigning today. So that future promise of God is here and now in Jesus and we, as vineyard people, as kingdom people, we live in the fact that God has inaugurated an end-time event. He started 
He started something now which is in the future. And he's taken that future event and he's driven it into the earth now in Jesus. And we get to live in the benefits of that kingdom having commenced in the earth. It's fully here. And yet, we still have to contend with people who are suffering. We have to contend with um, people who hold power in countries and nations that use power for, um, to abuse. Uh, we, we have to deal with all sorts of corruptible activity because the, while the kingdom is commenced, it's here, it's now, it's still also filling the whole earth as the glory of the God and the kingdom and the gospel message is advancing. And we are also these people, so we live in something that's already happened, we're, we're these people that live in something that is happening, and we are also these people that live in the end time promise that that is also fully here and will come. So we live in this rather unique place and space as Jesus' people in the earth. We live in this place of incredible dynamic tension. And if there's one thing I hate in life, it's tension. I don't know about you, but I think culturally we spend a lot of time, energy and resource trying to rid our lives of any tension so that we can just live a happy life. Well, let me tell you, the kingdom life is one where we have partnered with the revelation of God's big mission and vision in Jesus and we get to partner with what God has done, is doing and will ultimately do in our very daily choices and activities. This is where it cuts in. It cuts in about the way we love each other, the way we serve our children, the way we um, um, pray for those who are in authority over us, where we pray for our, those who are in government around us. And, you know, next weekend, folks, be praying. Just be praying that the Lord would have his way and that he might put in place those he would like to have authority to govern us as a state for this next season. Pray. Um, we live in this space where we get to partner with God to feed the poor and we feed the poor not with the resources that we think we have in our wallet because guess what? There's never enough. But we feed people and the poor with the resources of heaven where it has been God's good pleasure and he's generous to provide salvation for all through Jesus Christ. So we reach into heaven and we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come where all the resources that the poor and the needy and the oppressed have, all your resources there. Let it come into the earth now, even as it is in the heavens. You see this dynamic tension we live in. And we, we, we get to live this um, victory of Jesus. And that's one great big message that Paul has written right through this message to the Ephesians. It's one of victory, the victory of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And all those who are trying to drive Jesus underground, they realize that he is Lord and they are not. And that's the dynamic of the spirit realm in which we live in the earth. To be a disciple of Jesus, as the church of Jesus, we live every day and every moment in the reality that Jesus is victorious. That Jesus is now. He cannot be any more victorious than he is right now. And at the same time, he is victoriously winning people over, moment by moment, inch by inch, bit by bit. And at the same time, Jesus will ultimately be the victor. 
because he already is the victor. Can you see this tension that we live in, this outworking of the good news of the work of Jesus Christ? We get to partner with Jesus as he conquers the works and the words of the enemy over people's lives that have invaded people's lives, and we get to be the Ephesians 2.10 people, the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's our place in all of this. That's where we play. We're so incredibly important. God's not going to send a silver bullet. God's not going to send a silver bullet. He's not going to send some big great end time wave. He's going to send you and me in the power of the Spirit today, like right now, like when we go out to lunch later and there's people around us and we have these thoughts about their life that God's filling our heart with, that they might know, that we might partner, that we might see the hungry and stop. Here, take my last 20, it's all good. Just here. We get to do that now, right now. We're not waiting for a move of God. We are the move of God. We are the church. We are the people through whom the manifold wisdom of God in his good pleasure has poured out his spirit and his authority and power and said, come on, crew, let's get on with this. And when they all stood there at the, at the end of the Gospels and at the start of the book of Acts and they're all standing there looking at Jesus in, uh, coming into his ascension, his last words to them were, guys, stop standing around. Get on with it. He's not looking for some heavenly visitation. You are the heaven and earth visitation in the Lordship of Jesus Christ right now. That's a better story. That's a powerful story. That's a story the world wants. That's a story the world needs to see the plausibility of it lived out through those who humbly say, all right, God, your term's not mine. You're king, I'm servant, let's go. You've been saved. You've been saved into the works of God in Jesus Christ. We get to do this, and we get to do this every single day till he returns. This is a battle, and I'm not going to be able to do a good job on this at all because of time. But Paul says, stay strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Now, while I'm sort of provoking you under the unction of the Holy Spirit this morning to say, get going, (laughs) while I'm provoking you, I'm not saying rest upon your own ways and wisdom. I'm saying lean deep into the victory of God in Jesus. This is how we stay strong when culture and the world around us and the influences of, of um, spiritual dynamics around us want to influence and tell the world this is the way to live. In the face of that, how do we, as the people of Jesus, stay strong in our personal battles, in our battles together as the people of Jesus for cities and nations? Well, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, Paul at this point, he's no deal, this guy. He is awesome. He's now taking an Old Testament picture of prophetic heartbeat of God and he's reinterpreting it through the work of Jesus. And if you go back to Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, where the prophet Isaiah is starting to tell the people of God, there's going to come a day. He's prophesying all of these amazing 
picture words and promises that God is going to send a Messiah. God is going to restore the kingdom. God is going to make such a move through his work that all of the nations are going to come to him and they're going to come into his kingdom. They're going to bow before him as king. Isaiah is prophesying this to a people who are beaten down, to a people who feel like they've lost, lost their inheritance, to a people who feel like they've got no hope. And, pro- and, and Isaiah is speaking to them in Isaiah 59. And this, this is what Paul goes back to. Paul always goes back to the long story of the faithfulness of the work of God. You'll see that in all of his writings. And friends, whenever we're under pressure, whenever we're under pressure from the enemy and the world and the the wisdom of people around us that want to tell us all sorts of gobbledygook and it wants to push us under pressure and you don't know what to do, reach into the long story of the faithfulness of God. And if you have a hard time trying to get a grip on that for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your circumstances, just look boldly into the face of Jesus. And there you'll see the faithfulness of God fulfilled in his resurrection because our Jesus is alive. Our Jesus is alive. Reach into the long story of God. Just like Paul does here. And listen, in Isaiah 59, God is like, so broken, and we're going to pick up in the second half of verse 15, so broken for the people, so um, motivated to see them set free. Listen to, to Isaiah 59, 15. The Lord looked and was displeased because there was no justice. He saw that there was no one And he was appalled that there was no one willing to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him. In other words, God looked at the desperation and the despair and the brokenness of his covenant promises to the world through Israel. And he could see no one, no one giving themselves to this. And God says, out of his own concern for his covenant promise, and fulfillment to that nation, he says, and through that nation to the world, he says, I now will move by my, my, my own arm to bring about my kingdom once and for all in the earth. He put on, listen to these words, verse 17, uh, sorry, no one to intervene, his arm worked salvation and his own righteousness sustained him. He's talking about a work within the Trinity here. Verse 17, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to what they have done, so he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From, from the west, men will fear the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who repent of their sin, declares the Lord. This, this is what Paul's reaching into when he says, hey, How do you be strong in the face of everything that's going on right now? Reach into the one himself in his mighty power 
who took on flesh, who came and dwelt among us and declared salvation for all and took on and made justice where there was no justice and brought life and righteousness where there was no life and righteousness. Jesus, Jesus. He was prophesying about the work of Jesus. And so Paul here now takes the Jesus factor and reinterprets the prophetic promise of Jesus in Isaiah and now he, he declares that has come now for us in, uh, that as we go about doing our daily life in Christ. This is how we stay strong. We lean into the Lord and his mighty power. You know, you and I, we don't have any power to drive back forces of darkness other than Jesus, alive in us, the hope of glory. We lean into him. He fills us with his spirit, his wisdom, his authority. We lean into the fact that we're in relationship and partnering with a living God who rules and reigns right now, right now. Gosh, just close your eyes for a moment and envision with me with the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you show us right now where Jesus is ruling and reigning not in my circumstances, but in the circumstances of those people around me. Just help me get my eyes off myself for a moment, Jesus, and help me see what you're doing as you're ruling and reigning for the people around me, my workmates, my extended family. That guy down the street, I don't know, but every time I see him mowing the lawn, I think he's weird, but wave anyway. That guy too. Show me, Lord Jesus, what you're doing. Help me, Holy Spirit, partner with what Jesus is doing to advance his victory. Every broken heart would come alive to Jesus. Friends, I'm going to land this plane. There's so much more in this that I can talk about. But the point I want us to take away this morning is that as Paul reinterprets Isaiah 59 in this scripture, he's saying, hey, church, lean into Jesus because Jesus is Lord. He has won a great victory. He is working out that great victory and he will be victorious because he already is. Because he already is. You know, God is in the business of setting people free and he's given us this incredible... He uses this um, imagery of the righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, sandals of peace, helmets of salvation, belts of truth. He, 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 he puts this um, armory or this, this um, wardrobe of the kingdom. And Paul says, guys, every day, Clothe yourself in what God has already done in his armory of Jesus. You're not doing this for Jesus or without Jesus. You're doing this with Jesus. He is the armor. He is the armor. He's the breastplate of righteousness. He's the belt of truth. He is the sandals of peace. He, in partnership with the Spirit, is the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. It's him. It's all about him. 
Lean into Him. Lean into Jesus. There's a lot going on right now in our nation and in our world that I believe is just longing for the people of Jesus to be just that. The people of Jesus. The workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. How well, really, is your soul? We sing it, but how well is your soul? Is it wavering? Because Paul clearly says there in Ephesians 6, you know what, this stuff when it comes, it's going to shake you. It's going to test you. It's going to make your knees buckle. It's a bit like that person every time, every summer in Queensland when the cyclones come and they, they get the footage on the news, there's always some person that thinks, I can go and stand down on the waterfront and I can take on this wave as it hits me and still stand. And every time during cyclone season when people think they can do this in their own strength, the wave always wins. Don't lean on your own wisdom. Don't lean on your own strength. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's the one who's been risen. He is the one who reigns and rules with all authority. He is the one to whom all things are being reconciled and restored. Let's lean into him. Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you for, um, well, I just want to say thanks for a guy like Paul, (laughs) firstly. Man, he just got like such a revelation of your great love, Father, and what you're doing in the earth. And the whole God story and and the Jesus reality and the Spirit's work. Thanks, God, for Paul. I know he's probably having a great time in your presence there, Lord, but just thank you for that man. I thank you for every man and woman that have gone, that's gone before us and has just stood there in trust of Jesus when the world has, wants to cast doubt on the truth of who you are, Lord. And they've just refused to yield to anyone other than you, Jesus. Thank you for the testimony of their life as it's given life to us. Thank you for the men and women of Scripture, for the men and women of history who have just stood there and said no to the enemy and yes to Jesus. Lord Jesus, Let your great and victorious ways come alive in us again, that we might be the people of a better story for the sake of the people we live among and for the sake of the world. Come, Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray, take the words of God, take the words of God and let them be like a fire in our heart. The stuff of me, let it fade away. Let the stuff of you, Holy Spirit, be like a fire in our heart just now. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Show us where you want us to have faith and trust right now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to bring good news. He's anointed you to set people free. He's anointed your mouth to proclaim that now is the time of the favour of God in the earth, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, God. The Spirit of the Lord is increasing in the room right now. Receive the kingdom of God. Receive the Spirit. In the words of Paul, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in Christ Jesus to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Step in to the big vision and mission of God. Step in, people of Jesus. Step in and step forward. I don't do this a lot, but this morning I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to lay hands on every single one of you that wanted to step in and step forward. And that even as I'm standing here, it's like my hands are burning. Paul uses the language of like, I long to be with you that I might impart like a spiritual gift to you. There is something that transacts 
by the power of the Holy Spirit as we lay hands to you. And so I, I want to just invite this morning um, those who want to step into the big mission and vision of God and step forward into it and, and join Jesus as he's advancing that work in the earth, even as it is in the heavens. And, 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 and I just want to let you know, this is like, like Paul said, this is going to be testing and there's going to be waves of works and whispers of the enemy and the wisdom of people that are just going to come around you and want to choke that out of you and influence you in other ways. It's going to come around you and want to just rob you of what Jesus is doing. I'm just, I, I want you to know that as you come. But God is, has an armory. His name is Jesus. He's a great king. And he's good news. And he's good news. So Neil, you just why don't you just worship over the top of us, mate? And I'm just going to um, go along and just lay hands on you. I just feel free to come on up as as the Holy Spirit um, stirs you to do so. And we're just going to pray for you.